0: A-plus effort on Saturday. The fan base showed up in droves. 75,000-plus was there. The game was entertaining. We had big plays on both sides. Baker Mayfield at halftime was awesome. But, Parker, we already have a coach on the hot seat after Saturday's game. Oh, no. Did you, I miss something? Yes. You picked the red team. I picked the white team. <laughs> the red team won. And therefore, I am placing Miguel Chavis on the hot seat. Entering the uh, 2022 Ooh, season. That's a tough All look. the turnovers. Come on, Parker. Technically, I was right. The white team was the better team on Saturday it in was. every statistical category except turnovers <laughs> and the final score. The two ones
1: that actually matter. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Man, like, I, I, I'm honestly pretty impressed with myself because on Friday I said, red team wins, Javante Barnes is your offensive MVP, and Marcus Stripling is your defensive MVP. Rub it in. MVP. Like, Rub it in. Man, no, I'm, I'm feeling good today. Hey, I, Tyler. If you want to use the entire hour as your victory lap
0: today, um <laughs> I, I guess I'll I'll sit here and whine and cry and talk about the the mistakes that led to the red team winning on Saturday. No, seriously, hey, look was, everybody everybody's a winner. Yeah. It was everybody was a winner on Saturday, man. And we can't stop talking about the crowd. That's and I've said this a few times. Not even the most optimistic OU fan would have thought that 75,000 was was possible. I mean, no way. And it all goes Parker to OU put its best foot forward when we're talking about a massive recruiting weekend. Been talking about this recruiting weekend for what around 2 months now and you hope that OU fans would show out, you hope the weather would cooperate like every everything went absolutely perfect. And no, it has not generated, you know, six uh, locked emojis on social media or anything like that, but the reception from these recruits has been phenomenal. You and I talked to two of them uh, during the post-game show at Yo Pablo on Saturday night, and I'm going to guess what they said um, is what everyone else is thinking is, wow, I've taken
1: some other trips this spring, but it didn't look like what OU looked like on Saturday. Yeah, and I mean, that is... The overwhelming narrative coming out of the spring game on Saturday, and that's the prevailing opinion, is that there were a lot of kids that showed There were north of 100 high school prospects there on Saturday, and a lot of them left with the impression that, man, I've taken some visits already. I'm going to take some more visits, but I don't know if anything's going to measure up to Oklahoma and the love that I feel from this fan base and this coaching staff when it's all said and done. Saturday was huge oh, yeah. for the Sooners' recruiting efforts. I mean, massive. We may, I think we will look back on this day, Saturday that is, as arguably the most impactful day as far as recruiting of Brent Venable's first year as head coach. Because how many of those kids that visited Saturday aren't going to loop around and take a return trip with Oklahoma? I, 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 I would guess –
0: virtually all of them probably would be. Like how exactly. how could you not see that atmosphere and be immediately hooked? And, you know, I, I've been to that stadium countless times in my life, Parker, as have so many other OU fans that were in that place. Like we somewhat know what to expect when you go to a spring game at OU or a regular football game. Like the the people that go there on the reg were shocked, were surprised, were blown away by how it looked on Saturday. Now imagine a kid who's 16, 17, 18 years old, about to make the biggest decision in their life, haven't been to that place as many times as the rest of us, and that's maybe their first impression of what OU is. Seriously, OU put its best foot forward. It was the best showing
1: possible mission accomplished when it comes to a recruiting weekend. A-plus. A-plus overall on Saturday. You can hardly find a bone to pick with the overall experience at Owen Field. For that spring game, whether it was the fan base, whether it was the pace of Jeff Levy's offense, the resilience of Brent Venable's defense, whether it was the love that these kids felt from the coaching staff and the time that each of those coaches took to interact with the players when they were down there on field level. I mean, everything, even the weather, we all thought we were going to get some sputtering rain and it held off until the game ended and everybody had had the chance uh, to make the trip home. I'm legitimately not convinced anything could have gone better on Saturday. Yeah, I and mean, that, that doesn't mean you start instantly drinking the Kool Aid and saying Oklahoma's Oh, Too late be... for me. Too late. Okay, well, uh, regardless, this doesn't mean that instantly you start to figure, well, okay, Oklahoma's going to go undefeated in 2022 and play in the college football playoff. But it does mean that. There is momentum for this program going forward, even more so than there already was. And as you look ahead to the recruiting classes of 2023 and 2024, Oklahoma is going to be an increasingly good position with several elite talents that could help make a difference, a long-term difference, that could help shift the sand seismically for this program. We talked about Nigel Smith. We talked to Nigel Smith. Oklahoma already led for Nigel Smith before Saturday. That lead widened. On Saturday. Of course it did. And that is the type of guy that can help alter the direction of a program because he's going to be a five star in the class of 2024. And when you're talking about him plus David Stone plus maybe Zadavian Sims, T.A. Cunningham, et cetera. (laughs) It could be a
0: defensive line class, to remember. There's no doubt about that. And that's what you got to have, man. It's what you got to have defensively if you want to get over the hump. How many of you you know, sat there on Saturday. And how many times have you heard this since the spring game? Wow. That really felt like a normal game. It did, though. It, it, it felt like a normal game. There were definitely more people there on Saturday than the Tulane game last year. I, I assure you of that. It felt like a regular season game. You had Theo, was it Theo Weiss running into the end zone when the play was already dead and the north end zone <laughs> is still going crazy and acting like he's scored I mean, it was... It was awesome. Now, there is one lock emoji out there. What, yep. J.R. Sandlin uh, tweeted that one out? Yeah, Brent Venables tweeted it out, too. Brent Venables tweeted it out. So, the over hit, all right? The over did hit on Parker and I's 0.5 over and under. So, that's good news. Can we give... It sounds like it's a silent commit, by the way. Yeah. Can we give any hints as to what class uh, that silent commit may be? Um, and just kind of the the general situation... Uh, around that particular prospect
1: yeah well for those of you that are vips at ouinsider.com you know that i dropped three crystal ball predictions late saturday night after it all was over and done those predictions were for three star safety caleb spencer a 2023 prospect out of the state of virginia four star wide receiver mario craver a 2024 prospect out of the state of alabama and another native of the heart of Dixie, four-star defensive lineman Kavion Henderson in the class of 2024. So if you want to connect the dots there, that's a good place to start. I I don't want to hit, I don't want to hit too heavily on who it is or when it might be announced because I uh, obviously want to respect that player's uh, desire to make the announcement and make the commitment on their own timeline. Here's what I do know, though. That might be your first lock emoji. That might be the only lock emoji that technically you picked up this weekend, but there will be more. Yeah, yeah there will y- be more.
0: Yeah, well, and it, I I would venture to guess that every, you know, commits or every signee, I should say, that OU ends up getting in this class and in the class after that ends up signing with OU, they're going to mention the spring game at one point or another, Parker. You know? I yeah, mean, it, re- exactly. wh- whether they commits. A week from now or five months from now, what happened on Saturday is is going to be mentioned. So, you had an impact on that. You out there listening, the fan base, you had a massive impact on OU's recruiting efforts. That's pretty cool to think about, right? Because the atmosphere was totally different from a, even like 52,000 people showing up. What was that in the 2018 spring game? The difference from that to the spring game on Saturday can totally change can totally change things for OU and its recruiting efforts based on I mean it's 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 huge man it's it's massive OU can claim that they had the largest spring game out of anybody in college football and they did that by over 7000 people Georgia was next at 68k and Georgia was celebrating the national championship at their spring game that's why they had 68k it's huge, man. I it's
1: it's it's massive for recruiting that they got that type of uh, of turnout. Couple questions via the Air Comfort Solutions text line. One listener asks, "Can you give us info on Grayson Halton and where he is in the recruiting process with OU?" Uh, Grayson Halton is signed. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> he will he will be on campus in
0: June. Yeah. He he's one of the he's one of the guys that you close really well on. Um in in this in this past class got him pretty late and that was a that was a pretty big home run. Um including I'll tell you who another home run was for this staff. Uh, anybody like jaden gibson the true freshman wide receiver i know he had a drop um on a third down in his first series but long strider out there he is a big carry and strider. he got a chance
1: to be a big time player man Woo. Uh, one listener asks any Derek leblanc update so Derek leblanc and peyton kirkland two four-star prospects out of the state of florida leblanc a defensive tackle Kirkland, an offensive tackle. They have both been to Oklahoma repeatedly. We're both on campus this past Saturday for the spring game. And everybody's kind of wondering with those two, where are their heads and their hearts really at? Because there's confidence in the Miami camp, there's confidence in the Florida camp, and OU is confident as well. So it begs the question, should anybody be all that confident when you have three schools that are convinced they're getting those two? Here's what I have said on this situation and will continue to say. Peyton Kirkland and Derek LeBlanc can show up to Miami or show up to Gainesville on any given weekend. That's just a couple hours on the road for the two of them. To keep showing up to the University of Oklahoma? To make the 1,300-mile plane flight to Norman? That takes a little bit more of a commitment and an investment yeah, as far is. as time Especially and money. Especially now, man. So the fact that they keep coming would lead you to believe that maybe Oklahoma's in a lot better standing with those two than people want to believe. Text line, I've been
0: sipping on this uh, Vittables Kool-Aid since that Goldstream landed in Anderson, South Carolina. I, um, I, I've never seen a coach before that can grab a microphone, Parker, Address 75,000 people, and everyone is sitting there hanging on every single word. Yep. Just the tone of his voice and how it hits and how, you know, just intense he is. He did it before the game. He did it at halftime, and everyone around here just eats it up, man. Eats it up. Um, Now, he's got to win football games because if he doesn't go out there and win games, then maybe at some point people start to get annoyed by it. But right now, man... Right now, everyone hangs on every single word, and there's just this belief. There's this belief and this thought that was kind of all throughout the stadium. This guy's going to win, and this guy's going to win big. That was there from the fans. That was there to Baker Mayfield, the former Heisman Trophy winner. All the former players, Sterling Shepard was on with us. Jordan Evans was on with us in the postgame show. He has instilled the belief in everyone. that Not that Oklahoma went anywhere. It's been here. But better days are about to come for this program. In time, we'll see if that happens. But he's got this. He's got the belief of everyone associated with the program.
1: This is not a dig at any of the other men that were candidates for Oklahoma's head coaching vacancy back in late November. <laughs> <slash> early <laughs> December. But do you think, Tyler, do you honestly think any individual could have engaged this fan base over their first four months on campus the way that Brent Venables has Nah, not close. Do you see Dan Lanning or Dave Aranda or Matt Rule or what have you, do you see any of those guys walking onto that field Saturday, grabbing the microphone, and addressing the crowd from midfield to that type of reaction? No. No, I don't think
0: Matt Campbell could have done that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Dan Lanning could have done that. I don't think Matt Rule could have done that. Any other candidates we need to, we need to talk about there?
1: Is that it? The more Dabo DabosSweeney, the more him? we see of Brent, the more the fan base sees of Brent. The more we see of this football team, the more convinced everybody is, the more convinced you and I are. That there is legitimately no one in the country that is better suited for this job and this era of Oklahoma football than Ben. Venable. Yeah, okay, and we'll, that is exciting.
0: We'll see if this works out. I, I am a firm believer that it will. You're a firm believer that it will. I'm guessing just about everyone listening to us right now, Parker, believes that this hire will work out. But you know, it it, it just feels like they made the perfect hire this time around. You, like you get what I'm saying. Like, it was the right hire to make at this time. Yep. We'll see if it works out or not, but it was the obvious choice, and this, it, it was the right hire to make. Uh, a couple texts here. Parker, you can't shake the Kool-Aid jug and not drink it. Bottoms <laughs> up. So start drinking, dude. Come on. Just
1: go ahead. Yeah, start I, sipping. I Look, I, I'll continue to say it. I, am I 15, saying year one is going to be a disappointment? Not necessarily, but – I am looking forward with much more eager expectation to year two under Brent Venables than year one because historically, year two for a new head coach is where the rubber meets the road and where you start to make legitimate progress as far as putting your team in conversation for a national title. Think about Jim Tressel, Nick Saban, Bob Stoops, Urban Meyer. Les Miles, Urban Meyer. Year two is where it happens, people, Yep. and I'm not saying it doesn't happen in year one. I'm not saying we're sitting here come December, we're like, man, what a disappointing season that was for the Sooners. They're going to be good this fall. But they have the chance to be elite in years. Especially two. Dylan Gabriel comes back yep. for for a, for a second season.
0: Tyler Stewart Mayfield, my son and I met you. You got Sam a T-shirt. Can I get a double X or an XL? Thank you. <laughs> yes, Stewart, I will uh, find a way for you to get a T-shirt. And thank you to everyone that showed up at Yo, Yo Pablo on Campus Corner and got one of those Baker Mayfield T-shirts. Thank you to everyone that showed up at Balfour for the pregame show. It was awesome, Parker. There was a moment where, you know, there's there's all these listeners standing around. And we go where are you from? Houston. Where are you from? Springfield, <laughs> Missouri. Where are you from? Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm like, "Dang, I guess there's no one from Oklahoma hanging out with us right now, which I know a lot of our great listeners in Oklahoma joined us, but we were uh, we had listeners from all over the place." But man. there's there's nothing to do in the state of Oklahoma, that's, Tyler. yeah, that's right. So thank you, seriously, thank you to everyone that stopped by and say uh, said hello. That meant a lot to us. All right, keep the text line rolling. 405-651-3439. Uh, we gotta talk about these running backs coming up next, so keep it locked right here on The Ref for the Homeless Sooner fans. Locked on with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref. No, 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 no. No NBA talk here. We actually talk about what you care about, which is the Oklahoma Sooners, and 75,000 of you piled in for the spring game on Saturday. Pretty awesome. These running backs, though, man, super impressed with uh, with what we see. Fair to say, because I'm going to say it, I think OU's at least three deep at running back going into the season. I would say so. Eric Gray had a nice run. Uh, of course, Javante Barnes had two touchdowns. Tawi Walker had one as well. And, you know, I, one of the better running games that OU's had um, in the past few years is, you know, when Trey Sermon was able to come in late in the second half and be that quote unquote closer type of back. Now, I want Eric Gray getting the football as much as possible. What I saw from Javante Barnes, I want him getting the ball as much as possible. Well, but maybe just maybe, could Tawie Walker be that closer type of running back
1: that Trey Sermon was in in 2017? He reminds me more of Ramondre Stevenson in 2019. Yeah, to me. Well, he's got uh, the same jersey number and everything. Yeah, exactly. Well, like and he he runs very similar. I talked about this with Steely. He's so balanced. He's bouncy. He's downhill. He's always the low man when he makes contact. And he's not afraid to initiate contact. He's coming at you, trying to hit you in the mouth and run through you. And he's got some moves too. It's not, it's not just like, well, he's gonna run through you, or he's not. No, he can get around you too. But this is not your average walk-on. Five foot nine, two hundred and eighteen pounds. He's got that scrappiness that Ramondre played with. And if you'll recall, back in 2019, Ramondre had upwards of 600 rushing yards as the third running back option behind Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks, but he made some really big plays, most memorably the touchdown run that won the Big 12 championship against Baylor. So there is a role in the offense, even though it's a different offensive scheme, there's going to be a role in the offense for running back number three. Tawi Walker, to me, has – seized his opportunity to be running back number 3 in the absence of Marcus Major and obviously that may be subject to change when Gavin Sawchuk gets on campus I'm kind of of the opinion that he needs a year to get physically I agree. ready I agree for college football but there's a chance he factors into the into the picture Ty Walker to me right now is number three on this depth chart at running back behind Javante Barnes and Eric Green. I,
0: I do agree with you that there is room on, you know, this roster for three running backs that can contribute, especially after we saw the pace at which OU was playing on Saturday. Now now they were going quick, but I think Parker once September rolls around. They're probably even going to be going faster than than what we saw on Saturday. So you're going to have a lot of snaps. I think you're going to have a lot of bodies in there rotating. I definitely think if Talwee Walker is your number three guy, you may not see him ever get you know ten carries in a game or anything like that. But I, I do think there's going to be several games that you're you're going to see him get get some get some good action. And I if if there's a position that I walked out of saying okay, I really like that position group for this team. I was already pretty optimistic about the running backs. I feel
1: really good about them now, Parker, especially after what we saw from Javante Barnes. And you talked about the tempo of this offense. That's probably what stood out to me more than anything else on Saturday, man. They move fast. They move fast. That is going to be a problem for defenses in the fall if Oklahoma can run that offense efficiently. Uh, back to the Air Conference Solutions text line. Is Cody Jackson in the portal? Yes, the first portal mm-hmm. casualty of the spring for Oklahoma. Thought that this might
0: happen quick. Uh, what, he's having his exit meetings today with all these guys, so they're, th- this is going to happen pretty quick, and Cody Jackson... You just knew
1: that at least one player at the wide receiver spot, this was going to happen. Yeah, there was going to be an odd man out. I kind of didn't expect that it was going to be Cody Jackson because he'd been committed to Oklahoma when he signed since before his sophomore year of high school was over. I mean, he was on board with Oklahoma for a long, long time. He was as all-in as anybody on this roster, seemingly. And then he's out the door. And it's kind of understandable. You know, you want a fresh start with a new coaching staff in town and with everything he went through health-wise last year. But... Uh, appears his time in Norman is over. Uh, one listener asks, hey, guys, I missed the beginning of the show. Coach Sandlin threw out four to five lock emojis. Enlighten us, please. Yeah, no, okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal. There's only one new lock. The other four are the guys that have previously been committed to Oklahoma exactly. in the class of 2023. So you now have five locks total. One of them is new from this weekend. So there you go. That's the explanation. Yep, 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 yep. Hey, um,
0: how about all the newcomers basically scoring the touchdowns on Saturday? Uh, so I, I, I guess in all, you would have had five touchdowns that were scored. Tommy Walker had one. Javante Barnes had two. Jaden Gibson had a loud one, 90-plus yard touchdown. Um, it was really kind of the, the day for the newcomers offensively to, to shine.
1: Yeah, who, who scored the other touchdowns? That's what I'm trying call. to rack my brain
0: I, and think of, of who did. It wasn't Eric Gray. Uh, I'm trying to think of, of who it was. There was a touchdown Marvin at the end Mimps, of the first quarter. Marvin Mimps, yes, that, that's who it that was. was his touchdown Mimps. at the end of the first quarter. The first quarter that lasted two and a half hours. Now, hey, it was a great day on Saturday. That was also the longest spring game in in history. Man, they, uh, you, you know, sometimes. Really, all the time, spring games kind of go at the pace of what the coach wants it to go as, and it's like, all right, let's 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 show a little bit, but let, let, let's like try and hurry and get out of here. It's the new realization, Parker, that they don't really operate on anyone else's time. Britt Venables is going to stand out there, and if he wants to talk for 20 minutes to the crowd before the game starts, or at halftime, he's going to talk for 15 or 20 minutes to the crowd. They are not operating on some clock. They are they're on their own time, which is fine, I but... Dang,
1: that that first half, it seemed like it lasted two hours. The text line and the message boards and really the entire OU fan base is so divided on Marcus Major as to whether he's going to contribute for this team. As I've said many times and will continue to say, I got to see it to believe it from Marcus Major at a certain point. That's that's a fair approach. Look, if you exclude the Cotton Bowl in which he played in garbage time and everybody and their grandmother could have run circles around that Gators defense that night, if you take that game out of the picture, Marcus Major, in his career at Oklahoma, which spans three going on four seasons, has 51 carries for 188 yards. At a certain point, you just got to you got to be good enough to beat somebody out.
0: Yeah, I, I think the realization with him is he is not battling with Eric Gray and Javante Barnes for carries. I think he's battling, he's battling Tommy, Tommy, Tommy Walker. Walker for carries. Man, I, I think that if he is going to contribute this year. I think maybe at this point, best case scenario for him could be third string running back. And hey, still a long way to go. Training camp, a lot of things are decided. Um, and maybe Marcus Major has an unbelievable summer, but based on what we've heard, based on what we saw, it's it's hard to believe that he's any higher than third on this depth chart uh, once the season starts.
1: And I would agree. To me, I, I offhand, I don't think Marcus Major has ever been higher than fourth on the depth chart at running back unless there were a couple games in 2020 where... He got elevated due to COVID-19 and guys being held out of action. But like I said, I got to see it to believe it. Marcus Major hasn't shown me anything as of yet to make me believe uh, that he's going to be a legitimate factor in this Oklahoma backfield. And I haven't heard anything about him that would give me that hope either. I, I had a little optimism
0: for him before the start of spring ball. That he could be, you know, what I talked about maybe Tawie Walker's role being, is is the closer, you know. Um, OU's had that in the past. I don't know how Jeff Levy's going to approach, you know, that situation. Maybe it's just Eric Gray and Javante Barnes running in the fourth quarter. But uh now that I've seen what Tawie Walker can do and the body frame that he has, it's, ugh. I thought that might be the role that Marcus Major could have, but... This newcomer, uh, Juco running back, may
1: be better at it than he is. Back to the text line. Y'all don't talk the trenches enough. All of our future successes start up front. Well, why don't we do that? Let's uh, yeah, what, what totally. say we hit a break and come back and talk about the trenches on both D-line sides. D-line and O-line,
0: line, the sexy positions. Yeah, how'd the O-line fare on Saturday? We'll talk about that. And there's maybe an edge rusher that you should be excited about as well <laughs> coming out of this spring game. Keep the text coming. Air Coverage Solutions, text line 405-651-3439. More to come next. Elite Roofing Systems bringing you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune on the ref. Elite Roofing System, they're servicing all of Oklahoma's roofing needs, locally owned and operated, headquartered in Norman and in Tulsa, and serving customers in the greater Oklahoma City area since 2010. Give Elite Roofing a call today. 405-361-3094, that's their office in Oklahoma City, and in Tulsa, 918 984 54-75, Fifty-four seventy-five, or you can check them out at EliteRoofing.com. All right, in terms of the trenches, for the offensive line, yeah, there were some errant snaps. Um, there were some mistakes that were made. Edge rushers were getting to the quarterback at times. It's, it's hard to really put a letter grade on what the O-line looked like, Parker, just because... They were so split up but between the two teams. And I know that every position was split up, but it's hard to get a real feel on what this O-line might look like without your starting five there, without your starting center there, and without the
1: continuity that you hope that this group might have. Yeah, McCain-Mintoyer impressed me. I mean, that's, that's a guy that we talked about. He was probably your surefire starter at left guard from the second he stepped on campus. And what I saw from him validated that. Uh, he was mauling guys inside. Uh, By the way, is his brother is a big time quarterback prospect? Right. Matire, yes. I think Class he 20, was 24. sitting about
0: two rows in front of us. On that is a big kid for a quarterback. He is large. That is a big. He kid, is man. large. About six foot five. And six, then six, uh, is it Harris Sewell out of uh, Odessa? Odessa. Did, did yeah. You played Permian. He was sitting on the same row as us, and he like tried to scooch by us, and a whole <laughs> lot of room with that massive <laughs>
1: offensive lineman trying to make his way there. No doubt. But no, a, a couple of people brought up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, there were some bad snaps, which is true. Uh, Kyle Ergenbright, the transfer from Northern Colorado, it's a walk-on, was responsible for a couple of those, which, uh, you know, Bill Biedenboe has said good things about him, but Uh, it doesn't. You know, he's not. He's not going to be your center. He's not going to play at center. No, you know who your center is. Your center is Andrew Rame. He's pretty dang good at his job. If he runs into any hiccups, you got Robert congel who has now been a power five starter at three different institutions. He he's waiting in the wings. If Andrew Rame runs into any trouble, but look, as we've said before. Wanya Morris and Anton Harrison are probably your starting tackles. Can't imagine a world in which that isn't the case. McCade Mattire and Chris Murray were really, really good on Saturday for the most part and validated that they are the front runners to start at guards. And then you have Andrew Raymond at center. To me, that is a pretty solid offensive line. And uh, Tyler Guyton, I, he's not hard to pick out because he yep. might be the tallest player on the roster. I mean, he is a giant when he steps out there on the field. He's also not really built like an offensive lineman. I can see why TCU used him as, at tight end a little bit, because he's very athletically built. He almost looks like a basketball player. Yeah,
0: we, yeah, he does. We, we are going to go through the off season with that being, I think, the number one question of this team. Backup quarterback will be a question. We'll see if... You know, how well they're going to address it in the portal. Let's see how well they address it in the portal. Offensive line, at least to me, is your number one question. And if I had to venture a guess as to what it looks like uh, early in the season, Parker, I think that this offensive line is going to have moments where it looks really, really good. And I think that this offensive line is going to have moments where, you know, maybe it struggles a little bit. We'll see the progression that takes place throughout the summer and, and into training camp. But I'm going to guess that's the tempo that this offense is going to play at, maybe that's when you see this offensive line at its best is when, you know, they're really moving with tempo. The opposing defense is on their heels a little bit. And maybe those D linemen that they're playing, you know, aren't as well suited to rush the passer or, you know, slow down the run game when they're, you know, the snap of the ball
1: every ten to fifteen seconds. Yeah, by the way, uh, uh, Aaron Parks caught a lot of grief for the job he did in blocking Marcus Stripling on Saturday. But, he had a great game. Man, you just, you just got to give it up to Strip because it, it's been there for that dude. It's never been a question as to whether he's good enough to be that type of guy at Oklahoma. I compared him over the weekend when I kind of did my takeaways from the spring game. I compared him to Obo Okoronkwo. Because if you'll recall, Oboe's a guy that didn't do much of anything till his fourth year on campus. But when it came together for him, man, it came together fast. Yeah,
0: so the plays that stuck out to Marcus Stripling are obviously the ones where he's getting in the backfield. I, I would like to know if he was consistent on a snap-in, snap-out basis. You know what I mean? Because that's what, that's what the Alamo Bowl looked like for him. Yep. He, made, he made some highlight plays that stuck out. But maybe snap in and snap out. He wasn't doing things the way that, you know, he needed to do every single down. I wonder if that was the case on Saturday or if he looked more consistent doing the right things mentally. I, I hope that that's the case, but that's that's a, that's a thing you have to look into. But if he is the edge rusher that we've seen flashes of, this defense is going to be okay. They'll, they'll be
1: all right. Man, cuz they they need someone to step up and and take that role. Like that is a that is a scary dude when he's on his game and he was in the backfield a lot. Again, I was watching the game through a camera lens, so I haven't had the chance to go rewatch everything and really take stock of things from like an all 22 type of perspective and really zone in and study every single position on the field. But man, here's all I know from watching that game. Marcus Stripling was in the backfield a ton. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, text line says, I walked away from the
0: spring game thinking oh, OU has some serious linebackers again. I love Danny Stutzman. Danny is big. Danny can run. And one of the many things that you, I, and Travis Davidson talked on the postgame show on Saturday, and, and, and probably my biggest takeaway defensively is. It seemed to be more guys rallying around the ball to make plays. Exactly. You know, there, there were so many times against the run, which there were some big hits, by the way. As much as I like Javante Barnes, Deshaun White put a hit on that kid early, early on in the first. I quarter. think that was his
1: first carry. Yeah, He's like,
0: well, welcome to college, but, youngin. But I liked I liked TD Roof there. I liked Danny Stutzman. I liked Jaron Kanick out there. Ethan Downs uh, looked really good as well. There were just several guys around the ball carrier seemingly several times, and that's that's how you tackle man is get more bodies around the football. That's how you do it.
1: TD Roof gets around, man. He's not very big. He's not big at all. But man, he gets around. I'm intrigued by him. And, look, I think Danny Stutzman and Jaron Canick have the two highest ceilings of any linebackers in that room. I think a year or two down the road, you are looking at the modern-day iteration of Rocky Calmus and our own Teddy Lehman in that defensive backfield. But, man, the way that everybody flew to the ball and flowed to the ball on Saturday for the Sooners. Javante Barnes really didn't even get the opportunity to run in space. He had to earn his yards the hard way, which he did, but I thought it said a lot about this defense and their ability to rally to the ball that a guy like that who is so good at creating space as a running back really had nowhere to go but straight ahead. Well, how about creating turnovers as well? And and not just because
0: of errant throws caused by the wind, The defense made Tawie Walker fumble right at the goal line, right? Took a touchdown away. They made Drake Stoops, who's, you know, you can count on Drake Stoops, but they made him fumble. You know, they they just got their uh, hands on the football, stripped it right before he went to the ground. I mean, there's two turnovers, you know, strips that, you know, we haven't really seen a whole lot of those plays in the past. So I'm uh, a little upset because it cost the white team the win, and that's who I picked on Saturday. Uh, but the turnovers were there, man, and uh, that's that's got to make you feel good that they were able to force them in, in kind of multiple ways to get the to get the football back. A uh, few more texts before we hit the break. What's the probability that Wisner actually plays for Texas? I guess he
1: committed to UT over the yeah. weekend during um, their spring game. He's a running back, by yeah, the way. Yeah, he'd, he'd play there. He's a good back. Don't get me wrong. The chances he sticks to that commitment with Texas, I would say that's, there's a much bigger question there. One thing is
0: apparent: Ethan Downs has a nonstop motor. I saw him wanting a break at the end of the game, and he jumped back on the line and still fought to get in the backfield. That is
1: I, look, I I know I'm kind of the president of the Ethan Downs fan club, so uh, well, and and Tyler is the biggest Ethan Downs hater in this market. I'm so not I, a hater, <laughs> God. But yeah, it, it, everything everything we see from Ethan Downs, just the way he carries himself, the effort he gives. From on every single snap, that's a guy that I, I know there's competition for Oklahoma on the defensive line, particularly at that defensive end position with guys like Jonah Laulu and Reggie Grimes. But I really think 2022 is going to be a big year for Ethan Downs.
0: I do too. Um, how, how about what Brent, uh, I think it was Brent maybe that said it after the game. I don't know if you were still in there or not. But uh, Dylan Gabriel and Marvin Mims almost missed the start of the third quarter because they were, you know, cleaning up the locker room. And I know some people might roll their eyes at that, like, "Oh my God, that doesn't win you football games." Well, it goes into everything that they're trying to be about right now. It, but it is interesting that your starting quarterback, no question, and maybe your number one wide receiver at worst, Definitely number you're two, uh, just—I <laughs> mean, it's halftime and they're just—they're cleaning the locker room and almost missed the start of the second half. It's inter- it's, a, it's a different vibe down there for sure, man. All right, we got one final segment of Locked In coming up next. Keep the text coming on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. 405-651-3439. Keep it locked on the ref. Final segment of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Spring game coverage brought to you by Brown O'Haver. We appreciate their continued support. Air Comfort Solutions text line. This one says, Olds that is not on social media here, guys. How's the buzz? from recruits who visited on Saturday. Yeah, we talked about that in the very first segment. Parker, it's fair to say that the buzz from recruits is about as positive as you could you could have possibly hoped for coming out of this
1: weekend? The buzz is... I, here's the thing, Tyler, and it's not a surprise because of how well everything went on Saturday, which we talked about at the beginning of the show, but nobody has anything but glowing reports of their experience at Oklahoma on Saturday. And, yes, this will be the type of thing that has reverberations for days and weeks to come. And as you mentioned, it will probably be something that gets cited by the players that Oklahoma eventually signs in the class of 2023 as a turning point in their recruitment process. Because at this point in time, A lot of these kids, and this was a sentiment that was expressed to me time and time again, a lot of these kids quite simply have not experienced an environment like the one they experienced at Oklahoma on Saturday. And so uh, it widened the leads that they had for a lot of prospects that they were already in really good standing with, and it made a very strong impression with several prospects that they weren't to this point uh, necessarily at the top of the list for. Uh, Burrell and Wisner
0: are major red flags for Venable in his style of recruiting. You guys keep ignoring it, but it's going to be a problem. Love BV and everything he's going to do in coaching and developing, but recruiting is going
1: to take a step back. Oh, please. Please. Burrell and Wisner, you know where they went, Tyler? Texas. Yeah. And as we've discussed before on this show, Texas is employing the rarely utilized zero culture strategy. So if you're worried that Burrell and Wisner are going to go to Texas and burn OU in the Cotton Bowl, two or three years down the road, I'm hesitant to believe that. Well, so
0: like, what's the what's the point here? Is that OU's got to be more of a player, um, or, or are you talking about you have to let commits still take other visits? Like, wh- like what are you saying as to why recruiting is going to take a step back? Regardless of what you say, um, I, I think all you got to do is look at last year's recruiting class. You know, this staff had to come in and really get the ball rolling on finding some guys to close out this class, and they did. What, Grayson Halton, uh, Jaden Gibson, they found uh, their quarterback really quick, uh, R. Mason Thomas being another one. That class ended up being ranked... Just as high as the previous mule shoe classes did before. So I don't believe that recruiting is going to take a step no, back. Recruiting
1: I, will take a step forward.
0: Yeah I promise you that. I, I don't think that they're gonna be the number one overall class this year, but I think that they'll be a top ten class when it's when it's all said and done. I'm just not I am not I'm not freaked out about their current approach to recruiting. It's fine. Look, Samaj Samaj a. Burrell and Trey Wisner. Those two guys losing those two guys is not going to ultimately determine if BV wins a national championship here or not. They're nice players, Parker, but wouldn't you say in the grand scheme of recruiting, you can find two other players that are that that are that their type of uh,
1: talent? I mean, yes. there there are other guys out there that are just as good, if not better. There are other guys out there that are just as good, if not better, and willing to play Oklahoma's game, and willing to wait, and willing to whenever they do commit, shut it down permanently. So, no, like, would Oklahoma have liked to have Samaje J. Burrell and Trey Wisner? Sure, you can make that argument. But is it going to break their back? Absolutely not. No,
0: no, that's, that's not going to depend on...
1: No, 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 Brent no. Brent Venables no, 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 is no. the country's premier linebackers coach, and we've already seen what DeMarco Murray can do as a recruiter as well. So... If there are a couple positions that you're really not worried about Oklahoma being able to recruit, it's linebackers and running backs. Um, One position that they do have to shore
0: up, though, uh, during this offseason is is backup quarterback. Yes. You know, Nick Evers might be a good quarterback someday. He might, but he's not.
1: He's still adjusting.
0: Yeah, if he was called upon to have to win games for you next fall. I think that would be a pretty difficult ask for this team right now. So if Dylan Gabriel stays healthy all the way through, then, you know, no problem at all. It's not a concern one bit. but they've, they've got to find someone in the portal, Parker. It's going to be hard to find someone in the portal that's going to come in here and know that they really don't have a chance to compete for the starting job. Dylan Gabriel is your guy. So that's going to be something that works against them, but they've got to find someone that has some experience and is ready to be a backup quarterback right now. All right, that'll do it for Parker. The rush is coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. for the homeless fans.